Bagua people, welcome back. We've been away for a minute. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. It's your boy Mo, aka the Hoop Genius and the point guard guru, the three-time NBA champion, superstar agent, superstar executive, whatever you want to call him. You know the vibes. BJ Armstrong's back in the house. How you doing, BJ? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. AKA I am basketball. I mean, you've been wanting to do this podcast for a minute because we're gonna have to talk about the guy who earlier this season you came out and said was the best player in the world. And you know, I was saying LeBron's the best player in the world. And if anyone wants to take that crown, they're gonna have to come and take it by force. And I think we've just seen that crown being taken. But before we dive into the finals, I've got a few things I want to say. I've got a few things I want to say about this Milwaukee Bucks team. Okay, okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. This Milwaukee Bucks team has proven one thing to me. Karma exists. If you're a team, because we've spoken about this, who's ducking and diving, losing games because they don't like who they're going to be matched up within the first round. Now... Milwaukee said, listen, we could lose the last game of the season and avoid Miami, but we ain't going to do that. We ain't going to take the easy road. We're going to go to Miami, the team who eliminated us easily last year, and we're going to get revenge. That's right. They did their thing. They swept them out. Jimmy Butler scored less points than Bryn Forbes. They embarrassed them. They got their revenge. Then they went to Brooklyn. Now, obviously, I know injuries played a factor, but still, they took on the man that everyone at the time was calling the best player in the world, Kevin Durant. They got through Brooklyn. They got to the conference finals, and they went up against the young team. Lots of energy, lots of hype, lots of confidence. They got through them too. And then they got to the NBA finals, and after the first two games, well, the headlines were already half-written. We even did a show talking about how the Phoenix Suns got this in the bag because the first two games, the Bucks looked awful. And this is the part where I now have to do what I do not like to do, but any great man has to do, is apologize to Mr. Matt Boonholzer. Mr. Matt Boonholzer. Oh, I'm waiting for this. Mr. I'm Mike waiting for this. Boonholzer. Now, here's the thing. I'm waiting now, here's for this. Here's the thing. I, I don't need to apologize because I've not said anything that's not true but what I have to do is give credit <laughs> where it's due because my criticisms for Mike Boonholzer were valid at the time but he came out and he did all the things that we've been screaming at him to do for two or three seasons now and he finally did them and look how well it worked so it's not so much of an apology it's a you know, well done. Congratulations. You coached an excellent final series. What? Fantastic, fantastic finals. Well, not the final series, the last four games of the finals, because the coaching in the first two games of the NBA finals was horrendous. But those final four games wow. to seal it out, I take my health. Fantastically done. Wow. That's big of you, Mo. That's really big of you. I, I, I'm proud of you. Because <laughs> I know that, that that's a tough one. That was you easy. know what? You always tell it like it is. So respect. Respect to you and Coach Bud. I mean, listen, you know, I respect that. And I, I wanted to, BJ, I wish you had Instagram because I saw a post on Instagram that made me laugh so much from the, the championship parade. There was one fan at the championship parade who held up a sign saying fire coach bud. And I saw it and I was just I was like, BJ's gonna think I'm at the parade today. <laughs> but listen, no, it's uh he he needs credit. He needs credit. Yes. For the, those final four games, the way they closed them out, and you know, to go to Phoenix and win that on the road, and then to keep their composure at home, which I think was almost a harder task than winning on the road and doing what you always ask coaches to do in high pressure situations, put the ball in the hands of your best player. Giannis yep. Antetokounmpo, not 49, not 51. He got that 50 piece. Yes. Talk to me, BJ. Talk to me about yes, your boy. Well, 
you know, Giannis is being Giannis at this stage of, you know, the game for him. Now we're just witnessing how great he's really going to be. I call him Giannis the Great because he's he's entered into the rare stratosphere where only the very best of the best lives because he now he's playing a blended style of play. He can create offense for his teammates. He can create offense for himself. He can control a game. He can carry a game. And more importantly, he can finish a game. Mm -hmm. So Giannis now is playing at the elite level where all of the very best basketball basketball royalty lives. Now, as I'm watching this young man, Mo, I keep asking myself, He's doing all of this without a, without a consistent jump shot. Mm-hmm. He's this doing is, all of this, this without is what I wanted a to ask you. Because I had this, him on take. Yes, and this is what makes me nervous about him. It's because when I, people, I know, look, this league is filled with great, great, great players. Great players. Out of all of this greatness has emerged Giannis. Giannis has emerged, right? We He's emerged from the best of the very best. And he's doing this and you're saying he's an unfinished product. This is what I love more than anything because he's going to get better. He's going to get more and more comfortable playing away from the basket. And once, see, most people are concentrating on his shooting. I'm just looking at his balance. Because shooting is just about balance. He is going to take these 50-point games with a consistent jump shot. This is what I was and those ask. will be 60, 65, 70-point games. Because he plays so hard. He's so efficient as a player right now. With a consistent jump shot, the game's going to get easier. It's going to slow down even more. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see how good he can become. And because you know he's going to put in the work. And for those guys you know who, that. who listened to the last episode, I think that we did all the episode before, these will be real 70-point games that contribute yes. to winning. But but I just wanted to give it some context, right? Um, Giannis averaged 35.2 points in that final series. There's only, <laughs> can you name the guys in NBA history that you think have averaged more than that in a final series? In the finals. Yeah. There's only MJ. three guys. Three MJ. guys. Yep. Elgin Baylor. Nope. I think Elgin. this is only only modern era. Like like oh modern oh. era. Do you know what I mean? Like since the nineties onwards. We'll put I put it in I put it in because obviously, you know Shaq. Shaq, yep. MJ Shaq. And one more. LeBron, maybe? No. No. It's got to be on the winning Kobe? Team. No, it was Kevin, oh, has been, uh, Kevin Durant, 2017, 35.2. Average the same that Giannis oh. averaged this year, right? But oh, wow. out of those guys, okay, first of all, only 11 players in the history of the NBA have ever averaged over 35 a game in the finals. But none of them, not even Shaq himself, did it on the efficiency that Giannis shot 61.8% from the field. So... Not only is that a historic scoring performance, you know, they're talking about Giannis dominating and good for the team and all this other all this other rubbish they were talking about on the shows before the final started and after the first two games. Well, he had a historic, his historic. If he retires right now, that's already a Hall of Fame CV. A historic finals. And then let's look at it like this. He led the series in points, 211 points total. Highest for Phoenix was Devin Booker with 169. The highest in field goal percentage, the highest in rebounds. He out-rebounded DeAndre Ayton, the highest in blocks. And in fact, he made more free throws than anyone in the entire series. He made 56 to take them to the championship. And watching that game seven reminded me of a quote from the great Shaquille O'Neal of, listen, I'll miss all the free throws, but I'll make them when it counts. And boy, did Giannis make them when it counts. I remember I rang you during the game. I said, are you seeing this? Yes, you did. What did you say? You said... I'm watching number 34. 
And that's oh, why I'm I, saying a, uh, it's reminding me of another number 34, Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. Made them clutch free throws. And listen, Giannis, for me, most relatable player, because the next day he didn't sleep the whole night, which is, you know, you know my lifestyle. I never sleep. Then he went to the <laughs> drive-thru and ordered 50 chicken nuggets. And I was like, damn, finally, an NBA superstar that lives the same life as me. <laughs> yeah, so no, he, listen, I'm just I'm just yeah. I'm just happy because let's go let's go way back to a year ago, right? Or or to like right. before the season started. Every headline was is Giannis gonna go to Golden State? Is Giannis gonna go to Toronto? Is Giannis gonna go to Miami? And he said, I'm gonna sign this extension a year early. He would have got more money if he waited for a year. He said, I'm gonna sign this extension now so that those question marks aren't over us for the whole season. So that my teammates know that I've fully brought in, so that my organization knows that I'm fully committed to winning a championship here, and it paid off. Well, this is what's so impressive about Giannis. As talented as he is physically, his interviews and how thoughtful he is in his remarks post-game and the things that he does. It really, he's a very impressive, you know, young man. You know, when you are the very best player on the team, you, you either understand your responsibilities and hold yourself accountable, or it could go in any different direction because there's no accountability. You know, Giannis basically said, I'm going to lead I'm going to follow or I'm going to get out of the way. He chose to leave. Mm -hmm. Giannis looked out on the horizon and he said, I can go left. I can go right. Or I can look out into the horizon and say, I'm going to climb that mountain that's right in front of me that looks impossible. <laughs> because he could have gone and played with another team. He could have said he needed help to the right or he looked out on the horizon and said, you see that mountain way over there that looks impossible, that no one said I could do it? I'm going to go climb that one. And he looked around and said, now who's with me? And it reminds me of, it reminds me of a favorite quote from a, a friend of mine told me. He said, listen, I looked across the horizon at a mountain. And when I got there, I realized it was just a pile of rocks. That's it. Rock by rock, you go climb that. And and here's what I said, you know, talking about Giannis, just to interrupt you real quick. He's different to all these other guys in the league because to everyone else, they want to live in Miami or LA or, or whatever it is, and they want the big billboards. And, but you've got to think about it contextually for Giannis is for him living in Milwaukee, and we make jokes about living in Milwaukee and like media, we don't want to go there for the finals. or For him... Right. He's living the dream. Look at where he's come from. I've been to the neighborhood where he grew up and I played on the courts that he played on growing up. And trust me, it's a long way from the Pfizer Forum, the brand new arena and, you know, the, the house in, in downtown Milwaukee and G-Wagon that he drives. Like, what I love is he's so appreciative of the team and the franchise that drafted him and gave him a chance that he's willing to repay them by offering them the loyalty, which is interesting because unlike other guys in this league, he never had growing up, he was never a superstar. He never had the whole world watching him, AAU, high school, college, rookie year, sophomore year. He's been able to grow into this greatness organically rather than have it thrust upon him and been expected to deliver from the minute he stepped into the league which is just an interesting kind of perspective of how he sees himself and, and his organization. And also, you know, perhaps the effects on expectations on other players. Well, you know, Mo, as, as the final buzzer sounded at the end of the game in Milwaukee, I said, without question, it's now the, the next era has begun. This is the era now with Giannis. His, his era now is we're at the very, you know, we're at the starting point of his era.
And I said, Mo and BJ have to start the next club to recognize this new era. And this new era is called I Am Basketball. Mm -hmm. Now, get your membership cards now. Hey, sign up, sign up. Get your membership cards, get your hats, get your t-shirts, because I Am Basketball is the next era of this next generation. Because these guys, for this next generation, it's a global game now, all right? This is, this is what the members look like. We went through the era of the individual player, who's got the best crossover, who's dropping a 40 piece, who has the best jump shot, who has the best step back. Now we're in this era now where Jokic, MVP, Luka Doncic, he went, he's up next, okay? Mm -hmm. you, you have Giannis, you have Joel Embiid, you have, you know, defensively, Rudy Gobert, this is a global game now. And this next generation is not going to be who has the best this, because the best player emerged out of all of this. And he's the best player without a jump shot. So this three-point shooting and analytics and all of that, now, Mo, we can definitively say here on our, on our podcast, because we are the co-founders of the movement called I Am Basketball, that if you're going to play championship caliber basketball, championship caliber basketball, which involves everyone, you better have a mid-range shot and you better be able to get to the basket and you better be able to play team basketball. So all of this individual work that everyone's putting in, working with their, you know, their, their instructors and their workout guys <laughs> and all of that. You better be able to play five on five basketball now mm -hmm. because Jokic and these guys, this global game now is a new game and it has been started today. So I'm telling all of the kids, get ready because if individual players will not beat Giannis, individual players are not going to beat Luka Doncic because he's standing, he's, he's biting at the bit right now. Mm-hmm. Jokic, you're not just going to beat him. So you better be able to play team basketball along with your individual skill set. And that skill set better look like fundamentals because <laughs> you're not going to beat these people who I just named on individual talent. You better have fundamentals of the game, my friend. I am basketball is the movement. Mo's got the shirts. Mo's got the hats. <laughs> hey, you know, the country so saucy. You get your... And you, and you better get your membership card because we looking for the best players now. And the best players, he better be, he better, he better be better than a workout guy. Yep. He so, better, some of these players look good in the workout. You better be able to play. So this is this is what I want to get onto. There's a lot of talk about back. You know, I, I've seen a topic on on Twitter this week. People talking about they're talking about you know this guy. There there was someone talking about. You can be a basketball player, but you're not a hooper. There's a difference between hoopers and basketball players. And we're saying, all right, cool. So who's a hooper? And they're like, Alan Iverson's a hooper, but Tim Duncan's just a basketball player because he didn't have a bag. And I'm like, okay, cool. If, if that's your criteria for being a hooper. I think Tim Duncan's championships trophies seem very different. To, all right, cool. I, I'm not going to shoot a contested mid-range step back too, but <laughs> if that don't make me a hooper. So, so it gets onto this. Giannis just won a championship, single, not single-handedly, but you saw that 50-piece. The rest of the team scored 55. He scored 50 by himself with no back. No back. No he hezzy behind-the-back triple spin. No. Just simple. I'm stronger than you. Get out of my way. Or if I've got to pick up my triple, he had that nice little push shot going. He had a couple little jump shots, little faders. But it was all very, very... Simple. It's not doing too much, not overcomplicating it too much. And then I go on Instagram, I see these trainers. You know, I saw the funniest thing in the world this week, BJ. Someone sent this to me. There was a training company that has made this device. It's basically a hand made out of paper, right? So they cut out a hand and then they stick it to your head. So it's like you have a hand in your face at all times. So it's like a hand covering your face and then they get the kids to work out 
with a hand covering their face. And they say, oh, so when, you, when you're in a game, you know, and a defender puts their hand up, you're, you're used to it. And I'm looking at it like, what the hell is going on? You think for a second, Michael Jordan trained with a paper hand covering his eyes. You think Kobe Bryant trained with a hand made of paper stuck to his forehead. You think Giannis Antetokounmpo is worried about a hand being stuck to his What the hell is going on? So I go on Instagram and I see all these guys training. I see all these different drills. And, you know, I see one, one guy had like three chairs in front of the bucket and the player has to jump over the three chairs. But in what world is that going to happen? Because there's no basketball game in the world where a player stands still like a chair and you're going to have to jump over him like it's a hurdle and the coach hits you in the air with a foam roller like, Oh, no. Giannis has showed it's back to the basics. And I've always been saying for a while now that when they're all talking about three-pointers, 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 there's two things I want to say. First of all, the misconception with analytics thinking that it's just shooting threes, okay? Analytics is simply using numbers, okay? There is no analytics in the world that will tell you that Giannis taking a dunk is a bad shot because that's probably the highest percentage shot in basketball right now, right? The analytics tells you the kind of shots and it gives you approximations and estimations, but for exceptional players, they're outside of the mold. You see what I'm saying? The analytics saying a three-pointer is better than a two-pointer isn't for Giannis and it isn't for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. That's for the 15th guy on the bench. If you're going to come in, I'd rather you take a catch-and-shoot three than a contested pull-up two, okay? It's overhyped in this whole narrative thing, but... I've been saying for a while and everyone's saying like, you know, the inside game is dead and it's just all guards now and you've got to be a guard and everyone wants to have a hezzy and a crossover and a step back three. I've always said if Shaquille O'Neal played in the modern NBA, that would shift the whole paradigm of power to now every team is going to have to sign big bodies to try and play defense on Shaq. And I never thought that would happen, but the way Giannis is moving on the inside now is almost like, Obviously, they play a completely different style, but now teams, after watching this finals run, are going to have to sign players, multiple players in the plural, to try and stop this guy because he is a one-man ending of small ball. Because if you put a small ball lineup out there, like the Phoenix Suns did, you have no answer for him. No matter how good the small ball defenders are, Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder are two of the best defensive players if we're talking about small ball defenders, right? And he ate them like barbecue chicken. So time is a cycle, is what I've been saying to everyone the whole time. Time is a cycle. And now teams are going to have to load up with big bodies to stop these big big bodies that are coming through. Well, Giannis is, is a very difficult matchup. Whether you put big body, little body, this is a very unique talent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, frankly, we haven't seen a player like this. We haven't seen a seven foot one guy who can rebound the basketball ball cover this type of space in a dribble or two. I mean, basically from half court, he's at the basket in one dribble, mm-hmm. two dribbles max. I mean, he's covering space because of his length. He's got a nice handle. He can finish with either hand. He can Euro step. He can go over the top of you. He can go through you. We haven't seen a player like this now. When I look at him, there are two players that come to mind, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Jeez. Those are the two players that come to mind. Because defensively, he can change a game all by himself. Mm-hmm. See, the thing that makes him unique to me is not his ability to score. It's his ability to control the game on the defensive end because he can switch, he can help and recover on the screen roll. He can rim protect, okay? And he can defend literally every position on the floor without help. And, and not just defend, he can give you uh, he, 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 He's a shutdown. It's, he, it's, he, it's he, not he can that stop you. He can hold his own when you can defend one through five, like a, you know, like a, a, a defensive role player. Anyone who's being guarded by Giannis now has to reconsider what they're about to do. And you saw it on the Phoenix Suns. Right. And the, and the thing about him is he's so good of a defensive player that he can t- actually take away something. Now, 
He can take away some. Like, I'm not saying he can stop Kevin Durant, but he can take something away from Kevin Durant. He can take something away. He can take something away from LeBron. He can take something away from Devin Booker. He can step out and take something away from these quick guards and point guards in a switch situation. He's just a unique, unique talent. Just, I mean, this is just, and he reminds me of a combination of Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell. That's what he reminds me of. I, I, I think he's about to go on a, 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 an incredible run here where he's going to be in contention for the next six to 10 years for winning a title. So I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be up there. This is my question. Now, I get Drew Holiday played a fantastic series defensively. Offensively, he struggled, though. You know, I don't winning solves everything, but, you know, I have to call it like I see it. Offensively, this was not a good series for Drew Holiday. And Chris Madden, he played well. Let's not, let's not, you know, deny that. And But what I'm saying is it's not going to be this easy next year. Well, it's it's not gonna. It's oh, because when you're a champion, now everyone's looking at you differently. Now you're not the underdog, Chris Middleton. Now you're not the underappreciated Drew Holiday. Now, guys are gunning for you. You see what? I'm, so now every every game you're playing, you've got that target on your back. So you're not going to be. I don't know because obviously I've not played it. But how after you guys won your first title? Did you experience that in your second season that everything suddenly just became a lot tougher now that you guys were marked as the champions? Well, I, I, want, I want to go back to Drew Holiday second and then I'll answer your question. Um, when you are a starter, Mo, and you are one of, the, let's just say, one of the top two or three guys on your team. Yeah. You have a responsibility to the team. Okay, and this is... This is the, the, and I want to give you the levels to this. Yeah. Right. The, the, there are levels to this. If you're going to be a championship caliber team and all you can contribute to your team is an offensive output, that's a very limited way to play because it's impossible to play well on the offensive end every game. When you are a championship caliber team, and you hold yourself responsible and the team holds you responsible, you have to play well and perform no matter what. Now, when you look at the numbers on the offensive end, you'll say Drew Holiday didn't play well. I don't know what his numbers are. But when I look at what that young man did Mm -hmm. for six games, because let me tell you something, Chris Paul is no easy matchup. He, he, listen now, listen, this is a Hall of Fame player we're talking about. He shut down Chris Paul without any help, and he picked him up 94 feet against a first ballot Hall of Famer. Raise your hand how many players, we can count on one hand, how many players actually have the ability, let alone do it, in the NBA Finals. Okay, when he wasn't guarding Chris Paul, they put him on Devin Booker, who was cooking. <laughs> okay? Now, 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 Mo, Mo, think about this now. Yeah. When he wasn't guarding Chris Paul 94 feet, his second, his second, you know... Assignment. Assignment was you got Devin Booker with no help. And he did a fantastic job. Now, I get that he didn't shoot well, but he's got a reason he didn't shoot. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You, you understand what <laughs> no, I'm saying? You no, understand? I feel you. I feel you. That's winning basketball. That's winning basketball. Now, 100%. if he didn't have to expend that type of energy and focus, because it takes effort and energy to play on the defensive end, when you anybody can get hot and start shooting well, I don't expect him to play well if that, that's your defensive assignment for a 48-minute game. The fact that he had that type of game in game five, I mean, he was basically flawless in game five, which to me was more more impressive because he did that on the road. I think he will be better. Now, what I would like to see the Milwaukee Bucks do 
if you're if you're saying how will they repeat they have to improve their team now because they're going to have to find a guard that's capable of backing up Drew Holiday and being able to take Drew Holiday from 38 to 40 minutes like he was playing in the finals and take him down to 33 to 35 minutes. Because if they can do that, now you are adding depth and you're adding a new dimension. And more importantly, because we saw glaring weaknesses in their game. Pat Connington was exploited yep. on the offensive end. Uh, Bobby Porters, who we love, was exploited. Oh, he, he's getting paid this summer now. He's going to get paid. Okay. Someone's going to pay him. But give them credit now. Those guys battled, and they found a way to be productive. That's just what I'm saying. Everyone yeah. has a – everyone. but if they can find a guard who can defend – you will not, you're not going to find one to defend to the level of, of Drew Holiday. But if you can find one, to me, that is an added bonus to this group and will give them the depth because now everyone understands their role. And what I love about them, Mo, in, in, in closing here, is that they're battle-tested. They're not going to blink now. They get down 15 points. Hey, we've been here before. You get down 0-2. What are we going to say? They choked? This team is battle tested. This team this, has this, played in a game seven. Seven. They got a closer. This is what I was asking about the uh, about the second season now. Targets on their backs. How's that going to well, be? Fine? I think they're going to have way more confidence than they did this year. Oh, so you think it's going to help them rather than absolutely, absolutely, because now the monkey's off their back. Now we're not going to be questioning. See, here we go again. Oh, Coach Bud can't do this. Oh, Chris Middleton, he, he can't play in the big game. Oh, Giannis can't carry the team. Oh, they don't have the... – now it's like, okay, they lose a game. Guess what we're going to say? They'll be ready once the playoffs begin. Mm -hmm. See, I think now that I think they're going to be playing free. Now Bud is going to be coaching free. Now they're going to be like, oh, now they got a new fan base. Now their fans are going to travel now. You're going to start seeing Milwaukee Bucks – that's crazy. Jersey. I never on, thought on, in my life. Road. I never thought in my life, bro. Okay. Like, and, 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 <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And you, you, you're going to see, listen, listen, Mo, they had 60,000 plus people outside of the arena. And that's crazy okay. because, you know, when they made that new arena and they put that area there and they told, you know, they were telling people about the plans and they said, we're going to have this outdoor area with big screens so fans can watch games together. People laughed in that meeting at the idea that there would be Milwaukee Bucks fans outside an arena watching a game on a screen. And that this was only 10 years ago. So for them in 10 years to go from people laughing at them in a meeting when they said they're going to have people outside to having 65,000 people outside the arena standing around watching the game all credit to the to the ownership and the organization and for having the vision and investing in it. You know, I've I've seen that that what what are they called? Jurassic Park. No, that's Toronto. This it's, one's dead. That's Toronto. No, that's what I'm saying. The dude, oh, yeah, I've yeah. seen that was the first one I've seen when where the guys are outside because it's cold up there in Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> it's cold. Okay, and this is what I'm saying. I'm, then I'm going to get to the Deer District. When I first saw it, I thought. Well, it's, you can only stand out there if it's in the spring. Playoffs only in the spring. <laughs> okay, and I'm giving I'm giving the Deer District credit. Okay, that's an amazing environment. It's a huge advantage, and those people are standing behind that Milwaukee Bucks team. And I'm going to tell you this right now: it's going to be incredibly loud in that Milwaukee arena. And this team, we know they can win on the road. I mean, if it's one thing we can say about Milwaukee, they know how to win on the road. I mean, they, they've won some incredible games this year on the road. So give them credit. I think they're going to be better next year. You know, I think there's going to be a player or two that's going to slip through the cracks like it does every year, right? He's going to think, 
he should be getting five million. Why not take the minimal? Bobby Portis is a prime example. There will be players now that'll be saying, you know what, I'm gonna go there because I can win a championship. And I think they'll they'll get luck. The the the, the best players always get lucky. And I, I think they're it. gonna get lucky now. I think they're going to get lucky. And I, I don't know who they're going to get, and but just, they're going to get lucky. Just going back to, you know, what you're saying about winning on the road, right? So I spoke to PJ before game three, PJ Tucker before game yeah. three, right? And I said to him, how are you guys feeling? What's, what's the mood? And he just laughed. He was like, yo, we're chilling, bro. He said, he literally said, yo, we're chilling. We've been there before. We've been down by two. We ain't, we ain't, what do you mean? What do you mean? What's the mood? Like we, they did their job. Now we're going to go into a home and then we'll see. And then I spoke to Pat Connaughton before game, before game six. And I said, what's the mood? How are you guys doing in the locker room? And he just laughed. He goes, oh, we're chilling. We're going to go to the arena and win this game. And I'm like, what? You guys just like, like a lot of teams that I've spoken to, a lot of players I've spoken to around the league. And, you know, they've been in situations, but it might even be a first round matchup. And I asked them, how are you feeling? And these cats nervous as hell. They're thinking, man, you know, this is a big game and, you know, the pressure's on. We've got to go in there. These guys in Milwaukee, you know, even though they hadn't won anything before, even though they hadn't been anything, been anywhere before, I respect the mindset that they were just like, no, like, we're just going to go do what we do. We ain't worried, like, about playing in Phoenix. Well, we ain't worried I mean, about being well, they have They have a player who can play the game at the at the elite level, at the highest level. So all of their end game, the things that teams worry about, can you execute at the end of the game? Can you get a defensive stop? Can you get a great block? Can you get a steal? Well, they have a player that can do all that. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> okay. that's the other one. I mean, they, 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 listen, we, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's, <laughs> when you play with these great players, the Kobe Bryants, the Shaquille O'Neal's, the Michael Jordans, it eases a lot of tension that you begin to realize why they are the elite players. Because they can play the game at the highest level. So, yeah, you, you got Giannis. I, I, as I told you, as we were doing the telecast, Giannis can take his game to another level. Those great, those elite players, not great players, those elite players can take their game to an entirely different level. Here's what's scary. Giannis is in the gym right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to be better next year than he was this year because he's a competitor. He, we are concerned. The fans are concerned about winning and losing. Giannis loves to compete. Giannis loves to compete. See, the, the elite ones are addicted to the competition. Where's the competition? Oh, you don't think I can block that shot? He goes for it. Most people wouldn't even try to block it. Giannis coming back with a jumper. You know. He, he's going to come back with something new to his game. I don't know what it's going to be. He knows what he, but he, at some point, He's going to come, he's going to come back with a consistent Mo. Just imagine this. If he has a consistent free throw line extended jump shot. Yeah, hit it from the elbow. That would do that's, that gives you an extra 10 points a night. Easily. Easily. That, that, that's two <laughs> baskets a half. That's two baskets a half right now, right there. Mm-hmm. It's easy. That's not even him doing I'm, anything different other than. Taking that and just getting two baskets, he'll make it the free throw line in the first half and two in the second half. Not even that. It, once he makes them, then the defenders can't just sag off and build a wall. So then it opens up the trap and then you're finished. You can't do anything. So Mo, we can't beat him without we can't, we can't, we can't beat him without a jump shot. Once he gets a jump shot, it's gonna be, oh wow, what did we really and then Mo, when he adds the three point. When he, I just want to, I just want to. I don't to think he, he needs to though. Like, oh yeah, he needs to. Oh, he's going to need to. He's going to need to, because you, the great ones always have to look. A great player always has to find space to be great. Mm. You see, we're just role players. 
He's an elite player. He's got to find the real estate. Where's the real estate? So first thing is they walled him up. And then you can see how he's adjusted his game. And, and all credit to him becoming a better playmaker as well to adjust to that walk. Absolutely. So now when you now when you build that wall, he's he's become a really good player. Then he's going to extend that and he's going to be he's going to get the free throw line jump shot. And then Mo, like all the great players do, he the elite players, he's going to go to that real estate and he's going to start making that three ball. And I just want to be covering the game because he will have perhaps one of the greatest individual seasons we will ever see. Because you can't stop him in the interior. You can't stop him when he's coming downhill. He's going, Mo, he's going to get a post move, a go-to post move. Imagine if he just had one go-to post move with a counter to it. Man, give me the jump hook and give me the up and the up. Like, come on. Oh, okay, now we're talking. The jump hook, no, and then he goes to get, yeah, this guy is just, you're going, it's endless for him. I want to put him in the gym with Hakeem Olajuwon. That's what I want oh, to do. Oh, no. Yeah, well, he's bigger it. than Akeem. He's bigger than Akeem. He does Akeem needed those moves because Akeem was really only about six nine or six ten. Mm. This guy is every bit seven. He's every bit. He's got the feet. foot speed. He's got the like. Imagine if he has those unreal. He unreal. doesn't need them. Like every like. I read at All Star weekend. I, I played in the All Star game with Shaq. And. You know, you you get to see, you know, you see you play against players and you never really get to see them in practice. So, you know, we went to shoot around or whatever it was, a practice. To, I was just amazed how skilled Shaq was. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't know the guy had, like, moves. Like, he had moves. Like, he had, like, he had the, the dream shape. He had a fadeaway. He had up. He was just, but he didn't have to go to those moves. Because he had one move you couldn't stop. <laughs> he <knock> you down. <laughs> okay. But I was really amazed at how skilled he was. That's the one thing people really don't know about. I and, and it, it took me one practice. I was like, oh wow. I was like, I knew he was, I knew he was an elite player, but I was like, oh wow, he's even better than I thought. I didn't know he had a little left hand. He had all. He had every move that the big supposed to have. Yeah. He, you could tell he had rehearsed it. He had it, but he didn't need it. But if he, if he needed to go to, go to it, he had it though. And he that's what made it. him, <laughs> he, but he, he didn't need it. This is what I'm saying. This is, this is, this is, I mean, Shaq's footwork. He was as great as much as we love Shaq. That moment there taught me how unappreciated he really was as a player because you just saw how big he was. He was like, oh, he's bigger than everybody. This man was quick. He had great footwork. I mean, he was he was an elite, elite skilled player. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't do that now. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was like, against us. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, God. I was like, oh, man, this is a bad deal. Now, like, I was just, I was just really shocked. So, yeah, it's going to be inevitable. And uh, I can't wait to see it. But just go back to Morgie Bucks. Um, I feel like a lot of the listeners to this podcast, they're kind of new to the game. A lot of them have gone to basketball recently. Um, and, and, you know, they always tweet me saying that they've learned about the game from listening to us talk. And I love and appreciate that. And you would have heard a phrase over the past season, and uh, as long as basketball's been around, the phrase is defense wins championships. And I hope now, after watching this NBA Finals, everyone understands why that phrase always has been and always will be true. Right. Because that is the difference from games one and two when they switched Drew Holiday onto Chris Paul and PJ Tucker onto Devin Booker. The defensive change that they made there was what won them the NBA Finals combined with Giannis Antetokounmpo being, even though he didn't get the trophy this year, and that's a whole nother conversation about the fraudulent activities in awarding that trophy, but Giannis Antetokounmpo being the best defender on planet Earth because he made not one, not he made like three plays in that one series that are all-time great finals plays. All-time great yeah, playoff I mean, plays that 
blocking the alley from Ian and two chase down blocks. Like, I think people aren't appreciating right now because it's just happened and, and you know, you don't appreciate it fully when you're in the moment. But they're going to look back on this series as, wow, that was something well, really special. Well, Mo, you know, look, there are a lot of narratives that are out there. And you and I being in this business, we understand why. But let's, let's give our audience the insight. There are the narratives. And the narratives that most you will hear on television, podcasts, radio, will always be about what's going on on the offensive end because that is the very obvious thing to talk about, mm -hmm. right? A coach comes out and runs a different play. You can see that there's a different play. Mm -hmm. But here, Mo, we have a responsibility to the game. That's why I said I am basketball. And here's a little secret, Mo, that I'm going to share with our audience. Tell them. The only place that you can turn up the game is on the defensive end. You can't turn up your offense, <laughs> okay? We all come into a game as, a pl as players to want to play well and shoot well. But some nights when it's going great, it looks great, but that doesn't happen. The, but there is a place in the game where you can actually turn it up and that's on the defensive end. There's three things that has to happen in every basketball league throughout the world playground in your gym high school college pro international nba finals you have to do three things you have to defend you have to rebound the ball after you play that great defensive possession and you have to share the ball with with one another that's called passing he's the defense <laughs> has to be the foundation to every championship team because that's the only place where you can actually turn up the game because the formula for success for a championship caliber team is the score is always zero zero. If I don't score, that's fine. They don't score. The score is still zero zero. That's why you have, that's why you hear people say defense was championship because if you don't, if, if Mo can't score against me, I still got a chance to win. Mm-hmm. But if I can't stop Mo, I have absolutely no chance. And the only chance I have is I got to outscore him. So when I hear teams say, we're built because we can outscore the opponent. Uh, Houston Rockets lost. Yeah. Sorry, I got a cough. Sorry, so, yeah. sorry, what I got Sorry, I got a cough. When I hear team, yeah, absolutely. When I hear teams <laughs> say that, I know this team isn't built for a championship run. And our fan base will know that now. Yep. It's a little secret. It's a dark secret that we all know. And who's been in this business and everyone should know it because now we're in a new era. Defense will always, always come to the forefront in any championship run. Always. And, and that's why at the start of this show, I wanted to give credit to Matt Budenholzer because for the for the nerdier side of you know the guys who like the in-depth kind of stuff what you want to look at if you go back and watch the series now is what they took away and i remember saying this to you in the studio on game four what the suns need to win basketball games as we've seen all season long isn't Devin book and chris paul pulling up and scoring that they are they need the corner threes they need bridges crowder uh whatever role players they needed those corner threes and what milwaukee did was they took away those corner threes now the bucks philosophy for the past few years has been we'll take away anything at the rim we'll take away the corners but we'll also like let them have any threes from above the break so above the free throw line extended but then they just came out and said look we're just gonna try and clap down on all the three-point shooting let these guys take these mid-range shots we don't mind we're gonna live with chris paul and devin booker playing isolation basketball against switches because we know they're not going to be able to beat our whole team playing that way. Because first of all, they're not going to shoot 100%, as great as they are. They're not going to shoot 100%. Second of all, what the adjustment they also made as the series progressed is they got better at pre-rotating the switches. So they got better at anticipating the matchups that the Suns were trying to hunt for and making those rotations early. So that's why you saw DeAndre Ayton not being able to dominate like he did in games one and two, because when he had the smaller defender on him after the switch going to the bucket, 
the Bucks would then quickly switch that defender before the pass even got onto DeAndre. So it's just those subtle little differences on the defensive side of the basketball that I believe have won them this series. And having a player like Giannis, who is versatile enough, because they could only play that switching style when it was Lopez or Portis. Because if you notice, when Giannis switched onto these guys and they had the ball, they didn't want it. They weren't trying to put up a crossover and, and pull up for a jump shot. No one wanted to go up against Giannis, guarding them on isolation. So all credit to Matt Bunholzer, Giannis, the entire Milwaukee Bucks squad. Everybody came up huge for them, especially in that game six. And I'm like, obviously, I'm not a Milwaukee fan, but I'm just happy for those guys. You know, when you see someone succeed after failing a couple of times and everyone criticizing them, even myself criticizing them, I'm just happy to see them win. Genuinely, Giannis, his story, I think everyone can take inspiration, especially everyone out here in the UK and the rest of Europe, because Giannis was playing second division Greece. So you could be playing second division England or second division France or Spain or whatever. There's still always a way. You feel me? Like no one expected Giannis to even be drafted into the NBA or a scout to even find him. But if you stay down with it and you stay working with it and you've got the talent, talent always wins out. So I feel like a lot of people can stay inspired from this, this championship run. And BJ, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you, 21-22 NBA champions, do the Milwaukee Bucks mm. go back to back? Ooh. Bear in mind, we have no idea how free agency is going. Yeah. No idea yeah, how trades yeah. are going. Yeah, but if it's, everything it's, stayed the same now, if they just ran back this season, would they win it again? If things were currently staying, which is not. So no, no, no. It's, it's, it's like by, by the time this podcast is released, someone's going to be traded. <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I think they, they have... This season was interesting to me because I've looked at it as in a, it's been a continuation of like a season. For Honestly, Mo, if I can answer your question with with like my honest assessment of what's going on when the league stopped i think it was last year it, was, it seemed like all these years now run together since covid when the league stopped because of covid professional fans myself players everyone had to change how they viewed the game how they played the game how they prepared for the game yeah everything changed okay when the season stopped it wasn't the NBA that we could, that we were all accustomed to. It was a there was a bubble. It was like, how's this going to work? And then they played, and then there was a champion that was crowned somehow, some way. They get the NBA did a, a magnificent job of getting through that because that was uncharted territory. They stopped champion the LA Lakers, and then a month later, another season started. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna tell me man oh, i need to sleep oh, okay okay <laughs> oh, oh. and so then we get through this 72 game season mo it's july and the season just ended like what a week ago or Bro, it's, it's only july for five more days yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's august it's august <laughs> it's the end of july this season was a battle of attrition i mean it was basically the last man standing and everyone had their obstacles and protocols and all of these things. At least they got back to the arena. At the end of the season, there were fans in the building. So there was some resemblance of what we come to know, Mo, because you and I, you know, we've, we go to games, we, we, we're around and we've watched it. But it's not all the way back. Mo, I think the season next year is going to recover a little bit. But Mo, think about it. Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton literally had two days, and they are already on a plane right now headed to Tokyo. <laughs> how, how awkward was okay. that plane ride? <laughs> they put them on the same plane well, and the I, same taxi from the airport. To the, i just seen the video now. They are booking the same taxi <laughs> from the airport to the hotel. Well, man. <laughs> these guys have so much respect for one another. I mean, it's not like what we would think. I mean... You play, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that is just funny for us, the fans. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. It's for just funny yeah. for the fans. But think about it. So these guys are going to go, and then they're going to play, and then we're going to start the season again at the end of September and play eighty-two. 
So I, I honestly, Mo, can't answer that question because again, as much as we talk about playing and predicting, being a former player, I'm going, the body can only take so much. Now, Mo, the body can only, so this is, this will be going on three seasons now, Mo, of literally continuous basketball without a break. Now, next year, Mo, let's talk because hopefully there won't be a stoppage. Hopefully, but, fingers crossed. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully there won't be a stoppage this year. Hopefully these guys will be able to play. Hopefully the fans can be back in the arena. Hopefully, and then next year we can get back and push literally and say, whew, we got through it and now let's get back to NBA basketball. Now, that's a long answer to answer this question. I think right now they are the best team. Mm -hmm. I think they are the best team right now. But if guys are healthy, trades, you got to stay health-free yourself. You need a couple of lucky bounces. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's going to be some movement. You know, Kyrie's going to be back. James Harden's going to be back. You know, hopefully Kawhi and... Jalen Brown. LeBron and Jalen Brown and and oh yeah, I saw you throw that in there. <laughs> then, uh, Jamal Murray. So, but I'm excited for the yeah. NBA. And but what I'm excited for Milwaukee is this. They're not gonna beat themselves, and you're gonna have to, we're gonna, we're gonna be treated as fans here, Mo, to excellent basketball because this team is gonna play hard. Listen. Listen, and they got a great player. I never thought I'd want to go to Milwaukee in my life, but I think we need to get to the Deer District for one of these games. I think we need to see oh. what's really good over there. I think we need to no, go check no, it out next year. No, no question. No I've, question. I've got two things I want to say before we wrap this up. The first one being, I see people on Twitter from other team fans, you know, putting an asterisk on this saying, yeah, but all the other teams were injured. I've got a newsflash for you guys. Three weeks ago, Giannis was injured. Giannis's knee bent 45 degrees in the wrong direction. He uh, just so happens to be stronger than everybody else because he just carried on like nothing happened, came back and won the championship. So don't put an asterisk on it. You should be commending the strength of that man because from someone who's had all these knee ligament problems, I'm telling you, a normal human being is not walking for months after that happens to them. Okay? That's the first thing I want to say. So the injuries talk... Giannis was injured. There's no way anyone on this earth should be playing after that injury in the NBA finals. And I think even the doctors didn't want him to play, but he said to them, I'm playing. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second thing, it has been a long season. And I know we only got this podcast back up and running recently. Thank you to everyone who subscribes and listens and shares this podcast with their friends. Thank you to BJ, obviously, for being an amazing co-host as always. And keep your eyes peeled. Because this offseason, something very new and exciting is going to be coming your way. And it is going to be your favorite basketball show. And that's all I'm going to say about it. So stay tuned. BJ, any closing remarks to the fans at the end of this crazy season? Man, thank you guys for rolling with us. It's a pleasure. You know, we, we feel an enormous responsibility to give it to you like it is. I love working with you, Mo. Thanks for having me. I love working and being able to share and talk basketball. I can't think of anything better. I love it. I love the game. Love the fans for rocking with us, rolling with us. And I promise you guys, man, wait, we're going we're gonna to bring you something. Hopefully you'll love it. And uh, Mo, I can't wait. And I know the guys need rest. But I need the season to start tomorrow, Mo. I, I, I love this stuff. <laughs> listen, I'm <laughs> listen, the way I'm watching these draft prospects, and I'm on the trade machine all day figuring out, oh, how can I move this guy? This, look, I'm so ready. Let's get it. In the meantime, you guys stay locked in, stay subscribed. The podcasts are going to keep coming at you, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be here through the whole summer. We might even talk some Olympics. We might even talk some of this. We might even talk some of that. We might have some guests. You don't know what's going to happen, so stay subscribed. But more importantly than all of that, it's the summertime. So more importantly than ever, get buckets. <laughs>